we're having a guest on the show today. And first guest ever. Ever. She is total badass boss babe. And the so, so total badass. <laughs> she is. She is. So, she is. She's a boss babe. Just own it. Okay, so how did you guys meet? What's the story about that? Obviously, we're in the same industry. So at that point, we became friends because, uh, you know, I think restaurateurs need support systems. I think we should, I mean, I think we should have like a group psychologist so that we could deal with the daily um, struggles that we go through. I obviously know the McDonald's system now. (laughs) And she's heard a lot about Pig Floyd, so uh, I think it's going to be a great chat. I'm excited. Me too. Well, my parents have been fans of your restaurant for years. So my parents moved to Orlando like 10 years ago, and they've been coming to Pick Floyd since it opened. And every time I came into town, we would go to your restaurant, eat, and it was like the outing. Like, you have to go to Mills to Pick Floyd's. So that day, my dad was looking for a brunch spot that took dogs so you could sit outside, and Pick Floyd's came to mind. So we went there. It was freezing. I remember you had a dog wrapped and some blanket. And we ended up sitting outside and you kept coming outside to check on us. Like, oh, you can sit inside with the dog or you can do this or do you want to do this? And then that's when you guys chatted and coincidentally you gave him your business card. And that's when dad realized that you were Thomas Ward Jr. and not senior. And then that's how you guys connected. And then you quickly offered to talk. You're like, oh, if you ever want to talk shit or like complain about the F&B, like give me a call. And I was like, I'm taking you off on that. That sounds great. And then it's history, man. Four years later, we still bitch at each other. Yeah, we've taken some breaks, but yeah, yeah we're we still here. This gets, it gets tiring to bitch all the time to the same person. I agree. With the, with who's having the same kind of experiences on the other side right yeah especially because like you might have a good day and i might have a bad day and it's like well he had a bad day yesterday and now he's having a good day do i want to call him with my bad day (laughs) you know like i don't want to ruin the vibe you gotta balance it out right (laughs) yeah kind of give an overview of how your parents got into the business and then how do you come into the business right so my parents have been operators they started in puerto rico for like 35 years already and then about I want to say like four years ago, I was living in Miami and my dad decided that now was the time that he wanted me to join. He was going through some issues with a particular restaurant that was like 45 years old and basically just needed some work. We got into some trouble with the health department. It was just a really old building, like literally touched the wall. That thing would like fall apart. So um, I came to help him kind of just restructure, rehire, do the whole thing and started the owner operator program. Yeah, but you were prior to that working for McDonald's corporate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started in the advertising world and I worked with them for like four years. I worked on the McDonald's account, but I also worked on Indio, Heineken, a bunch of beer, all men accounts. And then I moved on to corporate. So I did marketing with McDonald's in Texas, servicing all the state of Texas for another like four years. And then I said, I'm done with McDonald's. I want to like see if I miss it. <laughs> And I went. <laughs> See if I miss it. I missed it. Um, I went to work in direct response for about ten months. I think what I lasted. What is direct response? So I worked for a company called Open English, and it's basically cold calling. Oh, so yeah. we you added, did cold calling. I didn't. 
I advertised it. I hate cold calling. So I was like basically marketing English classes to South Americans. Wow. Yeah, I was riveting stuff. And then Sounds uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we I left there and started training with some uh owner operator in Miami in right in the middle of uh Little Havana and Okeechobee. So Oof. It was it was great. It was great. Big was, volume store. Yeah, the one that I trained at was four point five, and the Little Havana as well is it's a big volume. That's store. a busy yeah, and it's a lot of a lot of uh, right yeah. drive through. So drive through business. The one in Oki is huge drive through. The one in Little Havana is huge in delivery. So really? they're very different, but the footprint in in Little Havana is tiny. Tiny. So it's really hard kitchen to work in, but. Yeah, I worked with the Montes organization. They're a Cuban family. Again, third generation of owner operators. Super cool family to work with. And then that, after like a few months of like learning how to flip the burger from the ground up, mopping the bathrooms, cleaning the toilets, everything from scratch, I landed in Orlando and started working with my dad. And now? Now I'm an owner operator. Oh my God. Oh shit. That was a big day. That was a big day. That was a really big day. She's accomplished a lot. I think we should talk about some of the differences that we go through in terms of you coming from a big structure, mm-hmm. right? And franchising. For sure. And I'm coming from like, I don't know what I'm doing, Mom trying to get my company up and going to get to. Yeah. I don't want to get to McDonald's level, but I wanted to get to 50 stores. So it's multiple outlets. So I think. Some of the issues that I think we should discuss operationally, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> operationally, I think as a mom and pop, we are not as organized right. as the company. You get, let's say, site inspections, what, weekly? Pretty much, yeah. So you get inspected by McDonald's corporate weekly. So not weekly. So we do our in-house weekly. So my director of operations has to do shops in in store, and then they also do. We do our own health visits. Same thing as if the health department shows up. We want everybody to like be best prepared to handle that situation. If let's say I can't be there physically, like you had that situation today where you had to go through that, and you were happy that you were there. But it's that, and then McDonald's basically does what they call VSVs and Qs. There's different all sorts of acronyms for these visits, but. Every quarter you get shopped at each one of your locations during a peak time and they they act like a customer and they will give you a grade. So those are tough. And then you have your EcoShore visits that are also graded and these all line up into a scorecard that the owner operator receives. So we're in basically all the time being followed and scored at all times because the brand standards that we need to uphold in the franchise agreement that I signed are specific and have to be consistent all throughout the year. My brand standards are my standards. Exactly. But I don't Your get brand to standards <laughs> is a what, a two hundred page book? Pretty much. Which basically tells you how to turn on the light. Everything. So I think the biggest difference between you and I is that I get a whole playbook and I get to follow it. And everything is, even from the suppliers that you use for your eggs or the way to distribute it with Martin Brower into your restaurant, everything is pre-decided by the company. There's a beauty to that because I don't have to worry about, you know, negotiating with suppliers. I don't have to go source anything. I don't need to fight with the delivery guy. I don't need to do any of that. They do that for you. I think the only thing that at times frustrates me is that I don't get to have a lot of creativity behind it because if I want to add 
a menu item, like I can't do that. So it, it, it makes it really difficult in that sense, but the rest is good. So on my side, right, I have full creativity power. Mm-hmm. I could put a menu item in, in a matter of minutes, which I did. Yeah. I did pork rinds in a matter of five minutes. Um, love those damn things. And they're really good. Yeah. Um, let's see. I have to negotiate everything with suppliers. I have a health inspector that comes once a month to check the store. Um, and I'm pretty much there, I mean, day in and day out. I don't, I think everybody knows my standards pretty much now. Yeah. Um, but I don't have them in a book. And that's something that we're trying to develop now as we are going into expansion mode. Um, and as I open another concept, obviously that's very important, right? Books. Yeah. And I think that's something I've advised like mom and pops before is you are quick to create a brand book with your ethos and your tone of voice and all this stuff. But all those need to carry into your training book the same way that you. Into operations. Which yeah, is into Operations everything. is everything, right? Right. Operations is what really makes the money. Exactly. I think a lot of people don't realize that there is a lot of money invested in operations. I mean, McDonald's probably invested millions and millions of dollars yeah. to be able to do everything streamlined. No, and even for me, is it, if I'm if I'm out in the market trying to shop new restaurants, for example, I want to buy new franchises from other operators. The first thing I do is just go sit in the lobby and watch the operations of the restaurant, and I'll know if there's an upside in me buying that restaurant or not, because I know what my operation standards are, and I know what the companies are, but each operator will, you know, is different. Everybody has different things. Like, my organization is all about treating each other as a family, and I think that once you build that rapport, there's loyalty that comes with it and whatnot that I think it's, like, very key to having successful operations and having people never leave kind of deal. Yeah, it's important, right? Because right now, I think the labor market is changing so much that if you don't assimilate the staff to be as your family, yeah, I mean, they don't feel that they're at at ease feeling like well, you know, they don't have that ease feeling when they're working. They don't feel comfortable in their environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, and it's crazy. I mean, like I have a restaurant that's inside of McDonald's, right? And inside of Walmart. Inside of Walmart. Sorry. <laughs> It's inside of McDonald's. It's inside of McDonald's. a long day, guys. Um, I have a restaurant that's inside of Walmart, and just to stack, you know, some shelves, you get paid fifteen dollars an hour. So that's the nature that we're competing to. It's you know anybody can say, well, why would I sit in a kitchen for X amount of dollars if I can just go do this? That's a little bit easier on me for five more dollars or whatever that may be. So the competition is endless because you're not only competing with the other, you know, let's say the Burger Kings of the world or Taco Bell or KFC, you're not competing with where you're a tenant. Let me ask you a question on that. So now that we're turning into the $15 an hour thing, Mm -hmm. and I I know this is a tangent, but what do you think about that? It's really tough. Uh, I think you and I have like definitely talked about this back and forth a lot, but I think it makes it really hard for even me under a big corporation to make money and i couldn't even imagine how mom and pop shops are going to survive because i think it's a multi-pronged like approach in a sense like you need to see where your food cost is going to be you need to see where your marketing fund is going to be and how you can take some price it's going to how do you blend those three things to make it to where you can actually afford it but um, I'm even in talks now, starting now, if I take price next month and do I raise a couple of salaries? Do I start with the manager level? Do I start with crew? 
I think it's going to be really, really tough. I think that the jump to 10 was like a little too quick. Too quick, um, yeah. You know, we're going from what, 865? Uh, yeah, I think it's 857 to $10. To 10, yeah. it's a big, That's 12%. It's a big jump for me because I have crews, for example, that are crew trainers that are like nine. So that means that just that's entry level. I'm jumping already a dollar, and then that's not even accounting for the manager. So. So let me ask you real quick: Are you have the entry level right? But then all of a sudden, what do you think that you're gonna have to raise? Everyone. Everyone, right? And which which is something that people don't realize with this fifteen dollars an hour is just like oh you think it's people that are just making the minimum wage, but it's not. It's everybody. So that twelve percent turns into a twenty four percent. I think this starts from director of operation level, to your general managers, to your shift managers, to your department managers, everyone that you have will have a bump based on this. There's no way that they'll say, oh, okay, a crew now makes 10 and I make 15. I'm fine with that. Nobody's fine with it. Nobody. I think it's important that people realize that just basically the timing of this is so off, right? Right. I mean, we're in the middle. I don't want to say middle. We're coming at the tail end, I guess, Are of the we? pandemic. Yeah. I don't know where we're at in the pandemic, yeah. but... I think it's important that people realize that this is happening to us in the worst timing for the restaurant business. Right. You have four units. Mm -hmm. I have one. Right now, like I said, I was in expansion, or I am in expansion mode. Yeah. What do you do for infrastructure? Like, what's your infrastructure for your operation? Like, how do you guys operate? How do you run it? I mean. Right. So I think that for someone's expand, like, you're expanding now or thinking of expanding. I think for me, the biggest thing is it doesn't matter. Your core team is going to determine whether you're ready to expand or not. So in the sense of that, the way that I'm structured is the operator and then there's a director of operations who oversees all the locations. All four units. And then all your units are local, though, right? All my so units are local. That They're makes it a lot easier. A lot easier. So that that will change things a bit if you're trying to have one in Miami or you're trying to have one in I don't know, Atlanta, whatever that may be, it'll vary, but director of operations. And then if you have, what McDonald's recommends is if you have four locations, then you're good with the director of operations. Once you start expanding to five, six, then they recommend that you have a supervisory level position. So someone who's not quite a DO yet, but has potential per se, and they oversee a patch of stores. So let's say they oversee- Two stores. Two or three stores. Let's say you have six for the- Hell of the experiment or what we're talking about. So, and then you have six, so you have three and three, and then a supervisor supervises this, and then the other three. And under that, you have your general managers. So the idea is that they're covered at all times. And, and I think that's the thing with all the visits that we talked about before and all the pressures that you're getting from the company and the health department and the customers and the volume of the store compared to a mom and pop. Now with delivery more than ever, I think that's a key structure. And then if you want to get more into the grains of it, once you're into your traditional store, just to say the general manager, we function in departments that train each other. And what I mean by that is that we never hire a person to say, let's be a, a line cook or a cashier. We hire an employee, period. Everybody's doing everything. Everybody knows everything. That's right. So, and I think that's the key to just the way that we're able to function because, you know, let's say you're short-staffed, you're not calling the three line cooks, you have, you're calling 
Everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Um, but then I love how it works into how it evolves and tra each person trains each other. And then that really goes back to the whole family feel that I was talking about earlier. So the crew comes in and we have a whole packet. It's like your first week on the job. Everyone remembers their first week on the job. I mean, how many people have you heard? Like my first job. I don't job? remember any job. What? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> any of my jobs. I remember the first day, the first year of me being in a freaking food truck. Really? Fudge. <laughs> well, I mean, I love when people say that McDonald's was their first job, but I hate when people say that it was bad. That, oh, so you, know. you're, you mean like first job, first, first job, job ever. First job oh, ever. Yeah. My first job ever was at an ice cream truck when I was 13 years old. They would pick me Did up. Did you have at, a pleasant experience? No. They picked me up at three in the morning. Exactly. I was 13 years old. I don't even know why they, oh, they picked you up because it opened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, oh. the truck driver would pick me up at my house. My dad said, pick him up at three in the morning. I want him to. He wanted to get you started early. He wanted to get me, yeah. So they would, we would get there. <laughs> we would get to the first store probably at four in the morning, and okay. we were supplying ice cream. My dad was in the ice cream business, and we would sell ice cream to supermarkets and all stores. And man, three in the morning at thirteen. Exactly. That was my first experience. What was your first ex job experience? McDonald's. McDonald's. Um, <laughs> and it yeah. was favorable. McDonald's. I'm like, I don't even know it was why. Beautiful, I, right? it, it was beautiful, right? Yeah. It was the best there's, experience there's ever. There's a funny story, actually. My parents, like I mentioned, had restaurants in Puerto Rico, me growing up. My dad was a salesman and met someone through making a sale that offered him to, to train when they took the McDonald's franchises to Puerto Rico, which is interesting. But, anyways, it was a hurricane. We were short staff. My dad was insistent on opening the store and he had me working the back cash. Sounds like me. Yeah. Cashing out people, and this guy, I guess, saw this eight or nine year old in the window counting dollar bills, and thought was weird, and got down and said, like, "Hey, I'm gonna report this owner operator for child labor. This is wrong." No. And they're like, "Well, what do you mean? That's the owner's daughter, and you you can't do that. <laughs> like, you can't." So that's what one of my first experiences, I guess, is uh, working in a restaurant, but. Like they said, we we have ketchup in our bloods. We started early. So you you're pretty. I don't want to say you're top heavy, right? Um, I mean. Well, I am top heavy for the size of my organization, but I. Think, but you're gonna expand. But I want to expand, and that's the thing is, you can't say you want to expand and not have the infrastructure ready, um, or the team ready. Oh, I know. Because when you when when it's like you so can go to bed today and have four restaurants and wake up tomorrow and have ten. That's how crazy the McDonald's world works, that you have to always be ready. And they won't consider you if you're not. So, yeah, you do take a little less to the bank, but it's worth it long term if you want to grow. That's that's pretty important. I think more than anything, me growing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm building the infrastructure right now. Today I met somebody for you know, HR and I was like, I can't hire anybody right now, full salary to just be in the organization with one restaurant. I mean, I need five, six, right? you know, so that at least I can have that cost outlay. Make it worth it. Make, make it worth it, right? Because if not, right now I'd be taking no money in. I mean, I gotta live. Yeah, no, that's the thing too. Like our volume allows us since we're open 24 yeah. hours and then we also the are able to have big. delivery and mobile order and pay and, all these things that allow us to be able like, I do have an HR person. So, and I have four units, 
but I think that a mom and pop shop or even, you know, yourself, like you are end up doing it yourself most of the time. Like HR who at this point, you know? I mean, if you have an HR question, call me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I am HR. I think you're pretty intimidating to be HR. It's I, like I mean, no, 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 like no, no problem. But I mean, if you have an HR question, yeah, I'm your guy. Exactly. <laughs> but you can call me. In, in expansion, another thing that I think people don't realize let's say we were to expand into another city, right? So you maybe buy some stores in Miami. Um, that that changes the whole perspective of it, right? Right. In the sense that, right, you have to add a number of stores so that you have operational efficiencies, right? 100%. There's an operator currently here who has, I think, like seven units in Orlando, and then I think they have like maybe like 15 in Miami. Right. They have a they have the structure that I just explained with the DO soups and whatnot in Miami, and then they have one completely separate in Orlando. So they run okay. as separate entities. Um, I really think that's the only way that you can do it. Um, you should treat it as separate patches. Like if I ever were to have a patch, and my you know my stores are in the east. If I were to ever have a patch on the west, they would run as entirely different organizations. I, in my I mean same beliefs and values and whatever, but if the health department is here, you can't get in your car and get there in 45 no. minutes. You need someone to be in your store within, you know, three minutes. And and that's something that I think it's important. And Well, yeah, you'll get tub heavy, but you'll sleep at night. So, for example, I'm doing it differently, right? Because you're buying McDonald's and you're the same organization. So what I did is I'm creating Pig Floyds. I have... Pigza, which is my pizza joint, and then I'm going to be creating a breakfast lunch spot called Peggy Floyd's. So mm -hmm. I'm creating three different concepts so that I can travel to any city and open these three concepts and have a manage, you know, a manager right. in tow that could run all three, all three stores. Right. Uh huh. So that's the way that I'm trying to be efficient. And it's just it makes it a little bit harder. Right. Because it's three different concepts, three different, you know, menus and all that. So McDonald's, I think the McDonald's way is a little bit easier, right? Yeah, and I, and I think you, it, it's different in a way, but you can find efficiencies within. I'm sure that, you know, in your pizza concept and, and the diner co concept and all these concepts that you're going to have, there is going to be some similarities in suppliers. You know, there you still have to go buy the same things. You still have, to, there's a lot of um, sure, savings sure. there. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, agreed. That, that gets a little tougher. And, and for us, it's, it's definitely already decided in a way. Marketing ideas that you guys do? Marketing. So that's Since been, you say that you, you right? Yeah. You were on the marketing team. So marketing is my expertise. That's what I went to school for in New Orleans. And I love marketing. However, I'm very limited into what I can do. So what I said, so McDonald's is very basically structured in that we have a national budget and then we have a local budget. So we have a local marketing agency that we can hire from seven approved agencies that the company releases. So they have to go through this very excruciating background and check and all this stuff. And then we choose them and we can do local store marketing stuff or just partnering with local brands and whatnot. But as far as everything that's national is from a budget that we also contribute from locally so that then they can go with all the big promotions. So. As far as marketing that I can do in my store is limited. It's local mm -hmm. store marketing. It's relationships with you know local schools, um, banks, 
uh, universities. We can do some cool promotions here and there, but everything works through a co-op, which is basically what we call a group of operators from the same local unit. So, you know, Orlando has a co-op. Oh, so it's it's based on the city. It's not based on... Do you not just right. do Central Florida, with, including Tampa? Or? So we are actually... Con- CFOA is connected with Tampa. So Tampa and Orlando are one business unit. Um, so we actually fall into what they call Atlanta field office, in a sense. So we are <clears throat> one market of everything encompassing Florida and Atlanta. So Atlanta is another one. Then we have Miami. Then we have North Florida. So everyone's divided so they can also do their own local promotions. Because if I were to do the same promotion that North Florida is doing and it's partnered with a local brand, it might not make any sense. So you're kind of tied, which is what we were talking about, is sometimes when you have, like, pick Floyd's, you can have a great idea and you want to do something tomorrow and you can do that. I don't have that flexibility. Yeah, but it makes it tough, believe it or not, because, I mean, when you don't have national marketing, it it makes it tough for everything. I mean, even hiring is tougher for us because, you know, we're one off and people don't know who we are and stuff like that. I think McDonald's, obviously, it's it's maybe a place where people expect to do their first job or when they're young and yeah and and that's true there's complexities within marketing nationally as well because let's say you want to advertise this new crispy chicken sandwich that we got which by the way is awesome go get it um the spicy one just quick (laughs) just quick just quick plug there um (laughs) when you want if you were to want to advertise and get aggressive with it and price point it you really can't because how do you make the price point make sense Feasible in Florida yeah. and make sense in New York. So there is ways that you can go about it and copy split so that like, you know, if you're in a higher price market, you get this price in the advertising and then if you're in low end market, you can get this price. But there's complexities even within national marketing that make it really tough, but they make it work. Yeah, for us, it's, it's really challenging in the sense that obviously we have to be on our toes on Instagram, Facebook, Mm-hmm. At the store level, shirts. I mean, we have to figure out every single detail to make sure that the brand gets out there. And it's such a different experience, right? Because I think the one thing that you and I can maybe relate to is that when someone sees Pig Floyd's, they know you. So they automatically relate the brand to you, Thomas Ward. Um, I've realized that in the years, you know, before it used to be my parents and they knew them by name and they associated, they know that it's locally owned, even though it's a big corporation, which a lot of people don't know that they're locally owned. But now with the, with the time, I'm starting people, I'm starting to realize that people recognize and say like, oh, she's the McDonald's from the water for like, so now I'm like, okay, well. I need to be acting like composting <laughs> cool all the time. You need to be cool, yeah. Yeah, because well, I, I mean, it's imp- it, <laughs> hey, listen, you don't know the experiences, especially when you're like six eight and people think you're a basketball player, yeah. but you really sell barbecue. Exactly. When you go out in the street, it's just like, oh, look, it's the Pig Floyd's guy. Yeah, exactly. Oh, great, I don't remember you. <laughs> Who are you again? Yeah. yeah. They recognize you. Yeah, they recognize you, but then they want to they want you to recognize them as in super like, tough, yeah. Super tough. I hey, just bro, pretend I like saw I know you 2 them. years ago. <laughs> yeah. My god. Oh my god, you've changed so much. Yeah. <laughs> Can't recognize you with the mask. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. I mean, 
And so the marketing, right, it entails all that national and local. Mm -hmm. So I, I spoke about something, you know, that's that's important right now. And I keep talking about it is hiring. Right. So mm -hmm. how easy is it for you guys to hire? Right. Because <sighs> now your brands recognize your brands marketed. Uh, I think a lot of high school kids know who McDonald's yeah. is. Right. They or they know who Chick-fil-A is or stuff like that. So they decide that that's my first job. Right. I learned the hard way the, my first year. So there's not only, so you hire, 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 you're always hiring. Yeah. You're never not hiring. It's not like, oh, I'm too busy to fill out the application. No, like, how can we get the application out faster? Like, fill it out. There's, I just need your, you know, get it done. But there's, it's, hiring is also seasonal. Um, and it's really dependent on where you are. So like, my restaurants are next to UCF, you know, school's over, kids are gone. And I'm like in crisis mode in May and I'm in crisis mode in June. So it's like it, it's really revolves around that. But hiring has become so tough because I don't only compete with the Chick-fil-A of the world or even with you. I'm also competing with my other owner operators that are two miles down the street because whatever benefits I offer, they might not or the other way around or how they were treated there maybe wasn't as good as with me. So it makes it really tough. One of the things. You just said two miles. Is that the rule? What's the rule with McDonald's? Two miles? So I, I think, you know, don't quote me on this, but I think it's within two miles. I want to say it's that, but don't quote me on that. But um, Isn't that crazy, though, that you have a store within two miles? Well, I want to say it is because I have the store on, what, Woodbury and East Colonial, and the fellow operator has the one on Bithel, and that must be, like, not even two miles away. And then I have one golden rod, which and, is... And the funny thing is that the volume is pretty consistent in pretty both consistent. stores, right? And McDonald's does like this crazy analysis, the real estate team, to decide. And they have like all this crazy names for it and like corner A or B or C. And I've seen it and I don't... I know a little about it. But how to decide to pick a site is super important on whether you're going to get easy access you know, from the light, patterns, do yeah. they need to do a U-turn and all this stuff with you and I have talked about this before, but that's how they end up selecting. And they also look at, you know, media on the ha on household income and what new things are coming in, demographics, demographics yeah. and all that. Stuff. So, so you guys are, I mean, it's like anything, right? It's a science now because now you know your demographic, you know how your spending patterns are. They've studied national spending patterns. Mm -hmm how people, what time, what they eat, what they choose. I mean, you have so much information. It's almost so like much. Amazon getting all that information of your, your buying, you know? Devin from VentureX here, mm -hmm. I was talking about a sweater with him and I guess he got an ad about the sweater. Oh, really? That thing is crazy, man. That's crazy. You can't crazy. even talk. Like, right? I feel you like can't I can't even think phone, in my sleep. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's insane. And I don't think he wants to wear the same sweater that I do, so. It's not the same size. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same size. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, I think that's yeah. so interesting in the sense that... We are very lucky that the team that we have in HQ in Chicago can literally get you anything. Um, so market, market analytics are huge. The business insights team is huge. And then think of umbrellas under that. So you have your digital team, you have our MLP team, you have your delivery team. Everything is divided and subdivided. Um, with SMEs or subject matter experts that really can get you anything you need. So you know how, when what direction to go based on that 
market-wise or store-wise. So with all that information, how do you think advertising and marketing, since you're from that world, is yeah. so much easier, right? Because you have all this info. Right. Like I'm trying to figure out where my clients or where my guests are coming from right now with my with the credit cards, right? And you guys have all that information but it's and like, more. And sometimes having the information makes it just as hard. And the reason why I say this is because I had like an hour conversation the other day. I sit on a bunch of, you know, Hispanic consumer committees and and trying to understand how to best market to the Hispanic consumer. And we were arguing about um, straws and how you straws? Can say, yeah. And how you can say straw in like fifteen different ways. In Spanish, so you can say like sorbeto or pitillo or whatever the hell you can say seven different ways, and it's well in the U.S. the Mexican population is the, is the largest, but then are you being you know racist in any way by only talking to really that population in the way that they like to be talked to? So it gets super complicated, and why I say it's also complicated is being a bigger brand, everyone is watching. So whatever move you make and however you decide to word a simple like word copywriting on an ad could literally mean you're on the front of the newspaper being criticized. Being criticized. No. So that's also tough. But I mean you have volume and you have size which yeah. makes it a lot easier. I make a bad move and that could be my career. 100%. And you have to be very careful even when you're out. I mean doing something if you do something stupid that could be your career it's crazy that i feel like i can sleep at night better than you can because like my my thing might be more secure in the sense of the the way that mcdonald's is set up but how much i would wish to, to be in your shoes and be able to like just be creating different concepts and different things because you get to be a bit more creative. And I, and and I wish I was in your shoes. Exactly. So I could sleep better at night. I mean, <laughs> we. I think we have this conversation and we'll bring it out now. Like, this is something that obviously we talk about all the time is right. the fact that you're in a structure. You are, you know, you get your rules, you get your regulations. I have no rules. I do mm. whatever I want, you know, not whatever i want but you know what i mean well, within reason within reason i get to be creative um and i still get bored right I mean, because it's operations operations is an everyday repetitive situation right so mm -hmm. why do you want to come to my side <laughs> or why why would you like to be at my side you think you think it's i, I mean i i always tell you it's a lot harder i think because i you haven't have a, done it no i haven't done it and also i think that we have a lot of processes and things that have already been figured out that I think you could use that would help you be more successful. And you and I have talked about this multiple times. Like there's things that to me come as second nature, but it's only because that's the only way I learned it with the training, the structure, all this stuff that we talk about, like how the the operations really is at the core. You can you can literally sell hot dogs on a, on a corner stand, but if your operations are top notch, you sell like a whole, whole lot of damn hot dogs. So I think that I would love to help smaller business restaurants like yours or any, you know, whoever. Um, I'm not good at taking feedback from you. So. No, I know, but you will listen. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm I mean, I, I want you to see how it's been successful. I mean, McDonald's is almost at, what, 19, almost 20,000 restaurants in the U.S. Like, they have a system down that works. And I think that sometimes that's the one thing that the mom and pops lack is they don't, 
they get so inspired with the concept and so married to the concept that even if let's say this cup is meant for water and this was meant for coffee and they mix them they're going to be angry for 20 minutes because that's not how the concept was created like let it go let the consumer enjoy your brand the way they want but that's something that I think McDonald's offers. So would you consider that the downside of being an operator? I mean, I I don't want to, I'm not saying that we have to talk about negatively, right? But this, there's a downside, right? The fact that you have no creative power and you're really operating on well, yeah. a structure with rules. I remember years ago, we were in this midst of, I, I this was when I was working corporate McDonald's and I was presenting to operators at the moment. And I don't remember what we were arguing about. And someone said, would you ask your dad to do this? So my dad was an operator at that point. I wasn't. So he was basically telling me, like, would you tell your dad to do what you're telling me to do right now? And I remember looking at him and saying, you're not an entrepreneur. You're an owner operator. Boom. And that was like one of the biggest. Purple. Yeah, because now like, well. You are an owner operator. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's, I think, the biggest thing is McDonald's will give you opportunities and you will live well and you will employ incredible people and you will change lives in the process of it and even change your own. But you don't get to decide. Now, there is a board of owner-operators that work nationally. I sit on a bunch of different committees, and you can affect change. It's just not as easy. It's like, you know, you today go to your restaurant, you make a decision, go. You tell Jenna how to do it, or you tell Gretchen, go do this and try it out. I got to go through 700 Oops. people um, to prove a point and hope that it works out. Well, I think in companies, and now... We, I, I hate using the word entrepreneur because I think everybody's using it. Yeah, I mean, right? came up with a new bubblegum and you're yeah, an entrepreneur. It was, it was crazy, right? So, <laughs> yeah. but I have to say being flexible and nimble in this industry is super important, right? Making decisions on the fly. I'll give you an example. Friday night, I walk into the restaurant. It's a mess. It's a mess. We're behind. We, we're short-staffed. Um, Jenna's on the... You know, on the pass through there. Yeah. She's going nuts. The manager's in the kitchen. You know, you have to make a financial decision of turning off online ordering and not answering the phone to be able to take care of the guest that's there. You think that would be permitted in the McDonald's world? <sighs> you would get calls, right? From national? You would get. Yeah, because we. Corporate so would kill our, you. Everything's connected, they can see everything. So, like, I remember when we first launched our PO, so like Grubhub or Uber or whatnot. There's this thing mess. called like downtime. So they can measure the, the time that your iPad is down. So I could see when my managers were too overwhelmed and just turning it down. Whoa. And then that led to, you know, let's relook at your positioning guide and add more people into your floor because clearly you need it. That's crazy. But yeah, I, I feel you in the there's a mess and I have to jump so many times in when there's a mess and you just have to make decisions on the spot and... You never want to feel in a position where you're turning a customer away. That sucks, whether it's on the phone or anything. Well, I got into a fight with a customer. I mean, fun. And I, I typically mean, I, don't do it, yeah. but this guy got out of control. He said his order was due at 7.30, it's 7.45. And I yeah. said, sir, you see there's 20 tickets on the board. You see I'm not answering calls. Here, look, there's somebody calling, I'm not answering. Do you want to wait for your food or you want me to credit it? Like, I'm... I'm, we're swamped. Yeah. You can't expect, you know, to be on time all the time. Mm -hmm. 
No, and it's unfortunate. You know, I I get it's it's uh, interesting. Like the other day, I had a conversation with the new crispy chicken sandwich that just came out. That like the lady kept saying, you know, I didn't want, I wanted just mayo and no pickles and just this com this ex- back and forth, back and forth. The sandwich doesn't have mayo; it has butter. So like, <laughs> wow. We were arguing about two different things that like had nothing to do, but. I think handling those customers sometimes, like you're like, do I, you know, it's private property and I reserve the right not to serve you. Yeah, but, that's but do a tough, I need to that's go? That's a tough one. There. <laughs> do I need that's to go in that, one. you know, in that direction? And I think that the first year that I was in business, I was just like, well, you know, there's four doors, pick the one you want. Like I didn't, you know, it was you don't have a lot of patience, and then as you work in through the business, you realize your customers are everything you have. So it's finding a way to please them, and if it's not at that moment, it's in the future. So, yeah. So I'm going to throw, I think I have a couple more questions for you. And one of them is family. How hard is it to work with family? And I know you probably don't want to answer this. No. Because I'm going to answer it. Because my mom might kill me after (laughs) this. I love Luz. I love Luz. (laughs) I love your mom and I love your dad, but it's hard, right? Well, yeah, because I worked corporate America for nine years and I was used to making my own money and pay my own bills and no one telling me what to do. And then you start working with your parents. And I don't only work with my parents, you know, my dad's and and both of my parents are operators. But then my aunt, my mom's sister is my HR, which is super interesting. And then I have a cousin who also works for me operations. He was a he was actually a supervisor level position. He's been with my dad for a long time. But everyone is interconnected. And I had just moved to Orlando to add to this. So, like, you know, I want to spend time with my family, but we're also at each other's throats because I think where it presents this thing of second generation owner operator is my dad's almost 75. And the way he sees the business for the totally last, different. Totally different. Um, you know, I tell him about Uber, and he's like, What is that? I mean, now he loves it because he's making a lot of money from it. But I think family relationships with the business are very difficult, but I think you gave me some really good advice years ago, and it's not focusing on changing them rather than understanding why they are the way they are. I think that's because I spend a ton, thousands yeah. of dollars in my psychologist. Also, <laughs> I think you were sick of hearing me. <laughs> <laughs> not only that, I think I've I've had a longer time I think working with family right yeah. so I worked with my parents in their ice cream company and then later on we did real estate together then we did supermarkets together then I get fired by my dad right I mean and then now they work with me in 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 my restaurant yeah. so my sister is my bookkeeper my dad is my advisor it's still tough there's still times that I don't want to go and hang out with them. I don't want to see them. Right. I don't, you know. No, me either. So. Sorry, mom. No, I'm, I'm not sorry. It's just the way it is. It's just when you're when you're talking about business and people have different mentalities, you know. Yeah, your dad has a different mentality than you do. I have a different mentality even than, than, than your dad. And, yeah. And you hear from all sides, you know. No, and it's complicated too because. I always heard my mother say that like everything in our lives revolved around McDonald's, but I didn't know because I was living in Austin and I was living my best life, doing my own thing. But now when you sit at a dinner table and you're still talking about McDonald's, I'm like, oh my God, I can't do this anymore. Like, let's talk about anything but McDonald's. So I think finding a separation between work and just like having a conversation about anything else is healthy when you want to continue that really good relationship with your parents. But 
ultimately also like learn their paths, why they want to be, let your numbers prove your way. You know, that's the best way that I can get to my dad is look at the results that I've gotten results, you. Results, yeah. And also stand your ground. Like if you really truly believe that that's the way to go, then fight for that one. But don't put your foot down for everything. So what advice do you have for people that are going into business, right? Yeah. That I think it's a must. Like what is what is a must for you to focus on? Because I think obviously with your experience, you have a little bit more structure mm -hmm. and you can give better advice in that sense. Yeah. What would be your advice for somebody going into business? That's a tough one, man. But it's not going to be easy. To I'll call tell Thomas. you that. <laughs> yeah. Just call Thomas and just skip me. No. <laughs> um, no, I think like do your research and don't fall in love with your concept. Like really, really do your research. Be best prepared and allow operations to be at the center of everything you do. Um, it doesn't matter if your walls aren't painted or your Instagram page is not Perfect. off the charts and you have 20 followers. Like no one cares. Um, just as matter as, you know, all that matters in my book is that you're selling the best damn food, food that you can and experience. Or, yeah. Exactly. So I'd say do your research and focus. Okay. Give me a no shit moment in your career. I think just becoming an operator, honestly, like to me, it was like, I couldn't even believe it had happened. You, I grew up my whole life watching my parents do this. And then all of a sudden it's like me. And also I got approved via Zoom in the middle of the pandemic. That's crazy. Because my interview get was supposed to be in February, then the world was upside down. So it was like, now it's happening. And within 20 seconds, I was getting calls from corporate people like, hey, do you want to join this committee? Or hey, do you want to do this? And I was like, I haven't even had time to like have a drink. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? And then also your whole, like my whole life was surrounded with, or it was expected for me to become an operator. And once you do, you have this moment where it's like, oh shit, like what are my goals now? Mm -hmm. Like what, what kind of impact do I want to have in my community? How do I want to grow? How many locations do I want to have? How do I want this to be mine and not my parents? So I think your goal shit, like my goals shifted and it was like, oh shit. This is big. How did you structure your personal life to be successful, right? So, I mean, do you go to sleep at a certain time? Do you exercise every day? Do you eat yeah. healthy? What are you doing so that you could balance that portion of your life? Because, like, we talk about the fact that yeah. I never have food in my house. I yeah, have water in my water. refrigerator. At least you hydrate yeah. yourself, man. <laughs> Super hydrated. <laughs> but those things yeah. people don't understand that 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 it makes a difference yeah it makes a difference well i mean you and i talk about it it's, it's an ever going thing i think when i first started i was working 80 90 hours a week and i just was happy to just get a bite to eat and go to sleep at a decent time and if i got three hours of sleep i was like great and if i got a shower it was like a double great you know like i always smelled like uh mcchicken like it was not a happy life the first year i think you know, the first year is going to be really tough. And also, like, how you handle your emotions and in general is going to be huge. And I want to say my emotional maturity was, like, a, at a level two when I started. And, and through time, I've been able to manage it. So I think structure and a routine is huge. So, like, I wake up, I go straight to train, you know, I walk my dog. I, I find time to do things I love, which I think are really important. But go to work, do your thing. Don't rush yourself is another don't one rush yourself Whew. yeah i don't like to rush myself um I like and to then rush. yeah yeah I you live in a... let's get out let's go
not rushing and then yeah i do try you know i love to travel so i do try oh yeah, i yeah, love yeah. to travel huh you love to travel yeah i bitch at her about her traveling habits guys because you're jealous all that yeah probably because i'm jealous but i, I yeah but i, bitch I at yeah them. i think it's important to find time to disconnect but even if you don't have time like which i did in the first or two or first year or second year is even if it's to go down for a walk like find five to ten minutes to yourself i think it's so huge I'm trying to tell you to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Money Martin, thanks. Thank you I for mean, having me. This is fun. I think it's interesting to see the other side. I think it's a it's a big difference in terms of coming yeah. from the small operator to a bigger operator. Even as you grow, mm-hmm. I think your company is going to evolve, um, obviously, into a massive structure. Hopefully, you can get oh, 50 yeah. McDonald's. Who, who the woman that has the most McDonald's is? Oh, I don't know her name. I thought that she was a badass, you know, boss. Oh no! Well, this is a lady that I love. Her name's Nelly Quijano. She is awesome. She actually, how many units does she have? I mean, I stopped counting at like thirty, but yeah. she has a she has a lot, and she is a widow who did this on her own, and she actually came up with her husband before he passed with a breakfast burrito. So That's awesome. she's awesome, and I want to be just like her. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming. Thank you.